If you want to turn in your Bibles to James 3, James again is uh, talking on a topic that many of us don't really probably want to hear often, um, but it's one that I think we all have uh, troubles with. And so as we go through this today, um, let's, let's look at our lives and, and see what's there because it's Warnings about words that we use and also to the teacher. Sometimes we are put into those positions and we need to really watch our words, what we say, how we say them. Uh, are the words timely? Do we need to uh, talk with uh, everything that we think? Does that need to come out of our mouth, I should say? And so he starts out by saying, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we, have, we will receive a stricter judgment, for we stumble in many things. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. So he starts out right there, he says that we all stumble in many things. And he gives us this caution about wanting to teach about things, because um, teachers must take their... Um, responsibility seriously. If we don't take it seriously, then many times we find ourselves contradicting ourselves or even leading people down the wrong path. And it tells us that when we take those positions as teachers, if it's a Bible study, a Sunday school, a pastor, leader in the church, that we bring ourselves into a stricter judgment. And Jesus warned this in Luke 12, 48. He says, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. And so he tells us that as we grow in our faith, as we seek these things, if these gifts are given to us, if these opportunities are given to us, that's a great thing. God is the provider of those things. But he also tells us that much is going to be required from us in those areas. And so the words of Jesus and James both remind us about the words that we use. That to be teachers in God's church is more than just a matter of a, a natural ability uh, or even a, a gift. Some people may have that natural ability to talk or they might uh, even have that spiritual gift to talk, but it's also something about um, appropriate character and right living. The example that we give to others. And so really as believers in Christ, it says that we are all part of that, that royal priesthood. He's called us all, really, to be teachers. We all have some avenue. So if you're a mother and you've raised children, there's your opportunity. If you have extended family, maybe it's at work, maybe it's at the coffee shop. We all have these abilities to be these teachers. And he says, really, uh, we need to take it um, very seriously for what God has called us to do. And then he tells us, for we all stumble in many things. And, and I like the way James puts it. He doesn't say some people stumble in it, but he says we all stumble in many things in our life. And so even as teachers, we know that we're going to fall short many times of what God has called us to do. We're going to fall short in our weaknesses because we stumble in those things. And so the greater accountability really for teachers uh, is especially sobering in light of that statement that um, we have this common weakness that we all are going to stumble in certain things in our life. And so the good news in this is this word stumble does not mean that we've fallen off the wagon, that it's, a, it's an end-all to end-alls. What it really means is that we've been tripped up or we've been enrolled or engrossed in something that maybe hinders 
our spiritual progress. And so we have those things in our life because we are, uh, we have our own nature and we have God's nature if we're born again. We have those two natures that battle back and forth sometimes. So we're going to have those things in our life that cause us to stumble sometimes, some weaknesses. And when we find those in our life, that's the importance of really um, committing those things to God and, and bringing those things under control. And, and James is going to teach us how we do this. So when we look at this, if anyone does not stumble in word, he says, you're a perfect person. He says, if you're that type of person, and this is really how James is measuring spiritual uh, maturity, it says, if we don't stumble in word, he says, you're perfect. Well, it doesn't mean that we're perfect, perfect, but it means that we are in control of our vessel. We're in control of, of uh, our whole body. And I want you to think about that as we, as we get into talking about the tongue, because James talks a lot about the tongue and the things that we say. We stumble in word many times about ourselves. We may uh, exaggerate, we may boast, we may, you know, say all these good things about ourselves uh, that we shouldn't have. The Bible, of course, says, you know, that we should think humbly of ourselves and not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But many times we do. Sometimes we even give um, selective reporting. We don't tell the whole story, but we tell those things that make us look good. Well, that can be stumbling. Well, and we also stumble in word about others. Sometimes it's by criticism. We criticize people quite a bit. Sometimes it can be gossip. Are we gossiping? Are we talking about people? Are we saying things about others that we wouldn't say if they were here? Sometimes it's slander. Putting them down. Casting uh, bad things upon their name or their reputation. But it can also be something like flattery or uh, insincere words made to maybe gain favor. So, you know, we call it schmoozing up to people. Sometimes we do that. And that's also a, a stumbling point with the words that we use because we're supposed to be honest with the words that we use and our words are to be thoughtful. And he goes on to tell us about this power of the tongue. And so verse 3 says this, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a fire, a forest, a little fire kindles. And so he's telling us about this power of the tongue. And the thing about James is that I just love this book for is because he gives us these visual um, pictures that really make us understand what he is talking about when he's talking about bringing these things under control. And so he starts off by, he says, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. Now, I don't know if everyone here has ridden a horse, but you've probably seen a horse, you've watched a western sometime in your life, and you see these great big animals that these uh, people are on, and those horses do what the rider wants them to do. This small bit in the horse's mouth, that little piece of metal that's in the horse's mouth, controls that whole horse, that big, huge animal. And I think that that's a fascinating thing. It's a picture that we can have in our mind. He talks about a ship, so we can picture these, these big ships that are out there. And maybe it could be the old Plymouth ships that we think about when Columbus sailed over, or we can even think about the big liners that are out on the oceans today. And they have this little rudder, this little thing that steers that whole church, that whole uh, ship, I should say. And so when we think about that, many times we can think about rafts going down 
a river where they have that rudder in the back and they, they steer it with just that little rudder. If you've even gone in a canoe, you know, like if you put your oar out on one side and sort of angle it a certain way, how it can just turn that vessel. And so he's given us these two. We can look at the horse and say, you can turn a horse with a bit. You can turn a, a ship with a rudder. But he says, even so, we have a little member in our bodies that can control this whole vessel. Do you have control over yourself? Does your tongue do that for you, or do you allow it to do it? So even so, we have control over our tongue is an indication that we have control over ourselves. Have you bridled your tongue? Have you reined in your tongue? Do you have control over the words that you say? Because the bit and the rudder are small, but they're extremely important. Just think about that. If you didn't have something like that, how would the horse be controlled? It wouldn't be. If a ship doesn't have a rudder, it is out of control also. And so they're very important things. And so we need to think about our tongue and that it is also a very important thing. If we're able to speak, Jesus has told us, go out into all the world and share these things with uh, the lost, to speak the gospel, to share the gospel with those. Our words are very important in relationships that we have. So the question is, is, is it possible for something as small as the tongue to have tremendous power over good and evil? And James says, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And we need to look at what we use our tongue for. You don't solve the problem of an unruly horse by just locking them in the barn, do you? I mean, that might solve the problem for a moment, but is that, that horse ever going to be used if it's just locked in the barn? If you have a, a ship that has a, a faulty rudder, you don't just leave it in port the whole time because then that ship is really worth nothing. No, what you do is you try to address those things to make them worth what they are valued at, to make those things useful as God has intended them to be. And so we sometimes think, well, then I just won't say anything. I'm just going to take this vow of silence. Well, that's not the answer to that either. That's like putting the, the horse in the barn or the ship in the port. What James is saying is that we need to find a way to use our tongue that glorifies God. The Bible tells us whatever we do in word or in deed, do it unto the glory of God. And if we really slow down to think about the words that we say before we say them, we'd probably say, A, a lot less words, and B, the words that we say would probably be more beneficial to those that are around us. And so if the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth, or the rudder in the ship, you've got to ask yourself this question, who's got the reins, or who's got the rudder of my tongue? Who is it that's in control of the words that I say? Now many times we want to blame all sorts of things on why we say the things that we do. There can be emotions, there can be um, just... We need to be heard. We want to be heard. We just need to say those things. But the question is, is are you in control of your tongue? Are you in control of the words that you say? Some people have really no hand on the rudder. I talk about some people sometimes and I say, you know, uh, they cannot have a thought without it coming out their mouth. And sometimes they just say, well, that's the way God created me. And I would say, no, I don't think that is true. I don't think God has created us that way. God has created us to be thoughtful. He's called us to be compassionate and full of love. So some people will say whatever comes to mind and they think that that's okay. We see that in the world a lot today. We see that a lot even in children today, which is sort of a sad thing. I mean, I was raised when I was raised and I was not uh, an ideal uh, child by any means. 
But I was always taught you don't talk back to your parents. Sometimes I remember Grandma saying, you know, don't speak unless spoken to. You know, we might think those things to be sort of harsh today, but when we look at the world today, we see some blatant things that go on that involve our words. Others direct their tongues from their emotions or just from the aspects of their carnal nature. You know, uh, they're just carnal in their life, and so the things they say are the things of the world. Some are said by emotion. Some are said, well, you know, I said it because of this or because of that, and we try to excuse those things out. But James points us towards the Spirit of God. James is saying it's the Spirit of God that needs to be at the helm. And so when we think about things as Christians, we stop and we say, you know, what would the Lord have me to say in this situation? What advice should I say in this situation? And those things can be be dramatic in our life. Because sometimes there is a harshness that needs to be spoken, but it needs to be spoken in love. But most of the times there's an edification that needs to be spoken, and we don't do that a whole lot. Well, James is saying it's the Spirit of God working through the new man. It's because we are born again of Jesus Christ. It's because we have that relationship with him. He says we put our dependence upon those things. We put his hands on the rain, his hands on the rudder of our life, and we depend on him. Lord, what is it that you would have me to say? Now you say, well, we can't do that for everything. No, I mean, if you're having a regular conversation, we were having a regular conversation today back here, we're talking about things of this life. But things of importance, things that, that, you know, really need to be addressed in a life, a situational thing, a learning thing, we need to think about those things. And we need to really be in control of those things. Because again, James says, that's one of the proofs that we're spiritually mature is by what we do with our tongue. And so he says, see how great a little fire kindles. How great a force a little fire kindles. He tells us that uh, the fire of the tongue has been used to really burn many things. And I want you to think about this. There's a, there's a commentator that says, you know, there's not much for uh, the way of sins that doesn't involve words. And so just think back maybe in your life and, and not to, to bring back past hurts or memories, but think of things that you have said that have hurt a relationship, that have uh, hurt somebody else, that have alienated people. Things that were said that didn't need to be said. The fire of the tongue has been used to burn many things, many people. And we need to understand that, that our words can be hurtful. You know, children, again, are told that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that we know that not to be true. If anyone has ever spoken a hurtful word to you, if anybody has ever attacked you or, or tried to tarnish your reputation, you know how those words come in. They're sort of like darts and arrows into your life. They're sort of like, a, as the psalmist would say in a little bit here, they're like a razor that can cut. Words can be very hurtful, so that children's rhyme isn't really true. And what others say to us and what we say to others can last a long time. And that is both good and evil. So I'm not just talking about our tongue as being used for evil, but God has created us to have a tongue that can be used for good. But I want you to think about that. What we say to others and what others say to us can last a long time. I'm sure all of us sitting here can think back to some time when somebody said something to us um, that was either very encouraging and it's always stuck with us and we've, we've carried it through, or we can look back and think of something that was said that was very hurtful and still maybe when we think about it today, it still hurts. So we can think about those words and, and uh, those things that can happen. 
and even in our just casual, uh, sarcastic, or a critical remark that we might give to somebody, uh, it says can inflict lasting pain on somebody else. Sometimes we don't think about the jokes that we say, and that's why the Bible tells us, you know, avoid coarse joking. Those things can hurt people also and, and cause another person pain. And again, if you're causing them pain, a lot of times that tarnishes your reputation in their eyes. And so we don't want to cause injury to somebody. We don't want to hurt somebody with our words. Our words are always used to, to be a blessing to others, to share something that's on our heart, to encourage others in the things that they do. So a well-timed encouragement or a compliment can inspire somebody for the rest of their life. As I said, I was a, a very troublesome youth when I was young, and I was part of this uh, Big Brothers program, and, and so that was sort of like a, a father figure that would be in your life. And again, I was sort of rebellious. I was rebellious with, uh, with my big brothers too. But I remember one time, one of them sitting down and telling me, I see great potential in there. I can still just picture him saying this. And this was after, um, and he made me follow through with things. And so I told him I was going to go run this, this half mile with him. And then in the morning I said, I'm not running. He says, you're running. You told me you're going to run. He drugged me for a whole, that whole uh, half mile around the track and made me do it. And after that, after I was crying and all upset and mad and sweaty, and of course he was sweaty and tired and wiped out, I would have thought, man, he, he could have whipped me and he would have been justified. But he sat down and he says, I see great potential in you. He says, you can have a lot of things in this life if you just put your mind to it. And I just remember that, and that always encouraged me. Because sort of being a black sheep of the family, you know, my mom was married and divorced many times, in our neighborhood, it was just sort of, uh, we were just sort of like the outcasts a little bit. And it always just seemed like I was in trouble. But I could always remember that, that saying that he would tell me. And so that lasted for me for a long time. And so James is, is not really telling us to never speak or to take a vow of silence because that doesn't help anything. God wants us to share our story. He wants us to share those things that are important to us, those things that are meaningful to us. But the bridle, the rudder, and the fire can all do tremendous good again. They can all do tremendous good when they are controlled properly. And so I want you to think about that. Are you controlling your tongue? And so Burdick says this. He's a commentator. There aren't many sins that don't involve talking in some way. It is though all the wickedness in the whole world were wrapped up in that little piece of flesh, talking about our, our tongue. And if you think about that, a lot of times all of our sin... Uh, not all of our sin, but most of our sin can be probably traced back where there's talking involved. Psalm 73, 9 says this, They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. And so as we read the psalmist, he's talking about the words that the evil will say. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Isn't that a picture in, in Psalms, again, of, of the tongue like a sharp razor? And David understood that because David in 42.10, he felt like this, this sword of the tongue was, was piercing into his life. As he said, as with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? He was in a tough situation and he was looking for things and people were saying, where is your God now? We know the story of Job, his friends that would say those things. Curse God and die, his wife even said. We think of those words that were said. And could they have been a different outcome if they would have spoken in a positive way? 
James echoes the testimony of many proverbs against the tongue. And I want to close with these because proverbs are probabilities. They're things that many times make a difference. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Think about that. You can be feeling down. You can be feeling um, just sort of in a rut or whatever. And somebody comes and they give you a good word. They tell you how special they are. Maybe they've given you a phone call or sent you a card or something because those are just words on paper. And how that can just lift your spirit. Sometimes in my life when I felt down, all of a sudden I get a call, a timely call. And somebody just said, hey, I was thinking about you and praying about you today and how that can make you feel better. Again, anxiety is the heart of man's is the main cause of depression, but a good word makes it glad. It can make us feel good. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Again, the importance of speaking good words to people. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. When I first read that, I, I thought, you know, that's a good reason probably not to over-talk in things. Many times we just want to be heard and we want to talk. And me in my position, I like to talk, as you are well aware. I like to talk, I like to share. People have sort of become, you know, they look to me for answers. I want to give the answers. I want to give the advice. But in the multitude of words, it says sin is not lacking. What that really tells me is many times, especially in the heat of the moment, it's best just to bridle my tongue, just to say, whoa, and just to hold it in, to think it through, to let things settle down. But he who restrains his lips is wise, it says. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. So we can see the words again and the benefit that they can have in our life. Uh, death and life, it says, are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. If you think of that, and that's, a, that's another, I think, an important scripture that we uh, can look at is that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what do you mean by that? Well, you can give life to a relationship or you can kill a relationship by the words that you say. You can build walls or you can tear down walls by the words that you say. You can find forgiveness or you can not find forgiveness, again, by the words that you say. You can extend forgiveness or not extend forgiveness by the things that you say. Our words are very important in how we use them. And I always tell people it's not so much even at times what we say, but how we say it. So there's even a way that we can say certain things that are not received well. And so think about those things. When you're in those conversations, when you see somebody that's down, when you want to encourage somebody, Ask the Lord for the words to say. Ask him for the advice that needs to be given to you that you might speak the words that bring glory to him. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And your word is great. We can look at the scriptures and we can, we can see your words. And I think that's why many times, especially through the Psalms, they were singing your words. They were singing your praises. They were singing... Uh, the things of God. And in a world that is so consumed with the things of this world, Lord, we pray that as your children, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give us the proper words to say. We know that there's times that there needs to be words of correction. We know that there are times that there needs to be works of rebuke. But many more often, Lord, there needs to be times of, of encouragement and 
times of direction. So Lord, give us the, the words to, to really share with those things. As it says, that the words can be sweet as a honeycomb. So Father, we just thank you again for, for our family here. We thank you again for the opportunities that you give us each and every day to speak to others. And we just pray that as we do speak, Lord, that we would speak wisely. We thank you now. We ask that you bless us as we go through this day and this week. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.